This is The Back Pass, a podcast for sports nerds by sports nerds. In this week's episode, which is halfway through the international break in football, we talk about the latest managerial shuffle at Man United, the fall of the Roman Empire at Chelsea, and we look forward to the upcoming UEFA Champions League quarterfinals. All this and more, coming right up. Hello and welcome to The Back Pass. I'm your host, Shivang Dube, and with me today, I'm flanked by two of our resident Man United fans, Gurpreet and Ali. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy international break to everyone. Lads, how are we all doing? You know, typically when it's the international break, we all complain about the lack of football. But I think the Women's World Cup has made up for the lack of international football. What cricket have we seen? And the match that just concluded between um, India and South Africa, what a game. Like, you can't script that stuff. (laughs) uh, There must be a billion broken hearts at the moment, at least. And if you start counting all the Indians who don't live in India, like (laughs) me and you guys, the number surely goes up. Yep, yep. I mean, my, my reaction. Look, it's it's nine fifty two here in New Zealand. We were meant to start at. We were meant to start fifty two minutes ago. <laughs> it, it, it's just a, it's just a testament, just a testament to that game that we decided to just stop the recording, watch the game, get it out of the system, and let's let's be honest, we're not going to get that. We're not going to get that finish out of the system. That was that was unreal, absolutely was unreal. unreal. What what a tournament! What a tournament! That was almost. Almost close enough to match the uh, another World Cup um, big oh, don't match say event. It, don't say it. Don't, don't, don't say it. Do not <laughs> say it. <laughs> it's almost a profanity. That is a profanity. No, Ali, we do not talk about that final ever. Cool, cool. It never happened. <laughs> Ah. Sure. But coming back to football, like, can I just give credit to Italy? Because they seem to be really, really hell-bent on supporting human rights. They did not travel to Russia in 2018 for the World Cup, and now they're boycotting Qatar as well. A big round of applause for the Italian football team, guys. Man, they really know how to do it right. Like, I mean, you know, we've got we've got a few Italy-supporting uh, fans in our circle. Lads. <laughs> um, <laughs> It was Montenegro. <laughs> Even the goal they conceded. It's Sam Allardyce would be proud of that goal. Jeez, oh, that goal and and the timing of it is just it was insane. It was like I'm pretty sure by that time the Italy just kind of like ah, oh, it's I guess we're going to penalties, and then they just pop up like it's crazy. But you know, international football aside, it's been an interesting week of sports for us. We've already touched on the cricket. The Warriors won, you know, although the last 15 minutes surely felt like squeaky bum time. <laughs> the Blues are on winning, on a winning track again. The Crusaders won again. But most importantly, Man United didn't drop any points this week. And neither of you guys <laughs> have lost any sleep discussing United's performance, tactics, pressing, or whatever. How do you feel about that? Well, it was it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend of sport. Almost didn't have time to think about United. Um which is just uh which is just a testament to like the Cricket World Cup were has been fantastic. The um the league has the NRL has been insane as well. There's a lot going on there. But 
there's also other news coming out of United, you know, like even when they're not playing, they're still, they're still like just an outpour of news coming out of United at all times. Um, you know, someone dropped a salad or something like that and that's news. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been good to not worry about XG and actual goals and all that other stuff. Or McFred's positions or anything. Yeah, exactly. But okay, like all banter aside, um, I think this season's effectively a write-off for you guys, isn't it? Like there's no trophy on the line to compete for. Got out of the Champions League. The focus mm-hmm. surely yeah. has to be on securing fourth place, for which, as of right now, Arsenal look favourites. Yeah, yeah. I, t- I totally agree, Shavank. Um, I, I think the, the season came down to that that game against Atletico Madrid, the, the second leg. Um, mm. And I, I don't think we've discussed this, but but the way that sort of panned out, uh, the, the way Atletico just shithoused their way to, to closing that game out, it was it was a script that we all feared, and it just panned out yep. how we all feared it. Basically, well, reliving your your worst nightmare that final that we won't talk about aside. Um, <laughs> the second worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, but but I think what's important from here, I think, is is focusing on on fourth place, but also given, and I suspect you're gonna you're gonna press us on the Shavank. Given what's to come in the summer, I, I think this is going to be the most important summer since Ferguson left. And I think there are a lot of players who are going to face a lot of uncertainty if they do not close this season out properly. Um, so I think there is an awful lot still to play for for United, even though we are not favorites for fourth place. Th- there is a lot of positions that are going to be under absolute scrutiny should the season close out the way we all fear it might. But Gurpreet, like as United fans, one thing we know for sure is United just don't, just don't sell players. And we just are unable to actually move players. Any of the, any of the players with any, any kind of amount of salary on them, we have struggled to sell. I mean, Phil Jones is still a Man, a man United player. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it took us a lot to get Swalling out the out the door. Um, Sanchez, Lukaku was all struggle. Like everything was. Um, we had to take we had to take hits to get them out, and it's costing costing the club money. And they they you know it's just not easy to get get some of these players out. the The only player we've we've really shipped out the door as quick. Um, as possible was Angel, and the only reason he did because he wanted to go, and we couldn't hold him back, and PSG wanted him. But uh, I, I, I fear that even though we, we're hoping for a, a clean out and a and a change, it's actually not going to happen. Yeah, I, I, Ali, look, I personally, I don't think it's going to be football manager style, twelve out, eight in. <laughs> I, I think it's probably going to be six out, but. The reason why I say it's going to be a massive summer is the the six names that are going out are, are massive names, right? So Pogba, we know, is is on his way. Cavani, massive, right? He hasn't played that much, but when he has, he's been incredibly effective. Mm, Lingard, yeah. he's going to be a free agent. So the, the, the bit that we've struggled with has been transfer fees. These guys mm. are all going to be leaving as free agents. Um, we also know Martial wants a change. He's already at Sevilla. Dean Henderson can't see us keeping him. Yeah. 
you've mentioned Phil Jones, Eric Bailly. These are all players who, when they're fit, offer a lot of value. Probably not in a, at an elite club, although we could argue whether United are that at the moment. Um, but they six players there that quite easily could be on their way out. And I, I think it's probably going to be these six that we end up needing to replace. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I think these guys fill in more squad player roles right now. <clears throat> Maybe Cavani is the exception to this categorization, but these guys have done an excellent job at filling the squad. But what you're missing out on is starting caliber players who can genuinely improve United and bring the gap down from 20-odd points to the champions to maybe 10 next season and then, you know, progressively mm. improve. Uh, absolutely, Shavank. I, I mean, you've you've nailed it. I, I think the biggest problem at United and, and the problem that needs to be sorted this summer is United tend to sign players in an absolutely reactive manner without any mm. kind of cohesive picture around how they're going to fit in around the philosophy the style because let's be honest for the last <laughs> 10 years the club the club hasn't had that right and and i think the biggest thing we need to get right is is that manager signing i, I think we've got to a point where we can't get this wrong because if i'm being honest this was going to be the the year where we closed the gap on city and liverpool yep. yeah that gap has grown lads it's it's really grown so mm-hmm. we cannot get it wrong this summer which means from now till the end, it's crucial. Everything that goes on for the next two odd months is absolutely crucial to help build that picture of how we close that gap. Can we just get a free pass? Can we just, can, can, do we take the Super League now or later? <laughs> just get a free pass <laughs> in the Champions League. Um, I'm sure the Glazers, if they hear this podcast, might just appoint you in a senior director role for supporting <laughs> the European Super League. <laughs> I mean, in the last 30 seconds, you've mentioned the Glazers in the Super League, right? I mean, it says everything that is wrong with United at the moment. <laughs> well, you know, 30 seconds, so elevator pitch for how to fix United, Glazers. ESL. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but, Dupree, you mentioned something really interesting. And the reason I say it's interesting is also because I know for a fact that on this podcast, we can have two differing opinions on this. Um, you mentioned that the most critical thing for the summer for United is getting the manager right. Mm-hmm. And there have been two names that are really prominent right now. There's Eric Ten Hag, who's currently the manager at Ajax Amsterdam, and Mauricio Pochettino, currently at PSG, but before that used to run the show at Three Point Lane. I miss that guy and how much he <laughs> lost to us. <laughs> and in the Poch corner, we've got Ali, and in the Eric Ten Hag corner, we've got Gurpreet. Lads, let's start with round one. Why do you pick who you pick? <laughs> Gurpreet, go. All right. I, I, I'll just start off with a disclaimer, Shavank. I'm very much in the Ten Hag corner, but I, I, I will say that as a United fan, there are no standout candidates. There's no one guy at the moment, despite the Twitter poll that Gary Neville ran where 82% of United fans uh, voted for the new shiny thing, which is Eric Ten Hag. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think there is a standout candidate. Having, having said that, mm. I, I've been impressed by Ten Hag's ability to rebuild sides with Ajax. So he's done it twice now. And what's impressed me is the way he's done it. So he's, he's either played a 4-2-3-1 
or a 4-3-3. Mm. And he's shown a lot of flexibility, even in games, in tweaking the system to fit how the opposition is is playing against him. The other thing that he's shown that I think is going to be really important for United is is a willingness to work and develop young players. If we look at the size of the rebuild that lies ahead of United, I, I don't think we're going to do it by signing superstar players. There's a lot of people out there saying we need to go out and sign Eric Haaland or N'Golo Conte. It's, it's not going to happen, right? Let, let, let's be real here. If in all likelihood, if United don't make the Champions League, these guys aren't going to look at us twice. We're going to have to do this with young players. We're going to have to do it patiently. And we're going to have to do it with a style that the fans like. I, I think Eric Ten Hag ticks all of those boxes. Um, the, the concern I have over him, obviously, is um, the, the premiership, like we've seen, is an entirely different beast. That The premiership mm. um, eats promising young managers for breakfast, right? It's, it is the most competitive league in the world. And the pressure at United is unreal. It's unreal pressure. There's massive egos in this dressing room, like we know. Even if we ship out the likes of Pogba, there is still a lot of pressure to manage this dressing room. But I think the promise is there with Ten Hag. Ali, shoot me down. Yeah. Well, so I think if you look at Poch, um, you look at what he achieved at Tottenham, and you looked at you look at who he Zero achieved trophies. it against. It's sure zero trophies, right? But <laughs> what what he did achieve was he was competitive with Klopp and Pep in the Premier League. He was up there with them. He competed. He got tight. Um, that's what we want to get United doing. We want to get United competing with City and Liverpool and actually scaring them and actually getting into that battle for the Premiership. Uh, yes, Tottenham didn't have the legs to 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 take it. They pretty much threw away the title, um, multiple titles, um, just because they just couldn't carry it. But I, I don't, I don't know why Poch wouldn't be able to fix that at United. I definitely would see him getting United playing and being able to match Pep and Klopp, which he's already done. He's been able to go up against Pep, go up against Klopp and beat them and compete and get the team to buy in. He has, United have a decent youth system. They have a lot of talented youngsters. And he loves a young team, which is great because we have we can get rid of some of the older players or who let them go as their contracts run out. And really just he can he can kind of build down his core of this young young group that we have. And there's there's some real talent in that young group and just really get him to play that system. And you never know. It might come with a Harry Kane add on. Uh-huh. I, I'm surprised you didn't mention um, the uh, ringing endorsement that Sir Alex gave Poch a, a few years ago, Ali. I, yeah. I think um, when we look at the mix-up, I, I think that's a major advantage that Poch has. Um, Sir Alex, who is still very influential in, in that boardroom, he's a yeah. massive fan of Poch. Like you've said, he's proven in England, right? Um, which is yeah. which is important. Yeah, and he's dealt with the media and all that other pressure. Yes, at Tottenham, but it's going to be different at United. But he at least had some some indication of what kind, how it kind of ramps up, and what kind of pressure you get into. So he's been there. He's been to a Champions League final. I I don't think just because he hasn't won a major trophy, which he will win this year, 
even though PSG are doing their best to bomb the French league, um, he'll still they'll still win the league this year. So he'll get that monkey off his back. Um, but yeah, I think Poch is definitely there. And you know, another one for Ten Hag is um, Donny Van Der Beek. He's probably just excited, jumping around, <laughs> like just please, just come through because that definitely puts his United career back on track. And we might see the Donny we wanted to sign, like or did, that we did sign, um, actually fill fulfill that midfield role that uh, Pogba is going to vacate, and that might not even that might mean we might not even go to the transfer market for it. I'm sorry, are you saying Pogba occupied a midfield role? Because I just feel he leaves big voids for the other teams. Uh, actually, uh, on on this on the Shivank, um in in the games that I've watched Ajax play over the last couple of seasons, what's what's really impressed me about um, Ten Hag has been the clarity he's had around the roles that he wants his midfielders to be playing. So he he wants a dedicated number six. He wants almost two number eights, but one of them plays. One of them is flexible enough to play as an eight or a six, and the other one can play an eight or a ten. I I think this is the type of clarity we just haven't had. And 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 the big the big hope I have is um, whether it's Poch or it's Ten Hag, what we need is that clarity around what the roles need to be in midfield. Because let's be honest, uh, the biggest hole that United need to fix mm. after the manager is that midfield. That midfield simply isn't good enough. Yep. Yep. I Definitely. do tend to agree. What about the pace in the defense? Well, uh, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, the the obvious solution there is uh, is one uh, Antonio Rudiger from a Chelsea <laughs> that's in disarray. You guys can dream about getting Rudy. Um, instead, what you'll get is Rudy shooting from thirty yards at the United goal and missing. We'll get we'll get Frank Lampard, Rudiger. Shavank, it's um, I think it's at that point that we'll do a we'll do a classic uh, we'll do a classic United under Oli, and we'll play Oli and I will play on the counter attack here, and, and we'll ask you a few questions about uh, about Chelsea and their summer ahead. How about that? Yep. Let's go. All right. So, look, in, in all seriousness, Shivank, um, we, we joke about um, Antonio Rudiger. Um, mm. Three months ago, I would have said no chance, right? Because um, yeah. you guys were looking, you guys were basically braced for what I thought would be a, a 200 mil summer, where yeah. finishing third, decent run in the Champions League, this is where Roman says, all right, we, we take that next step. But how do you think Chelsea have gone since the announcement of the sanctions and, and the news that um, the Roman Empire is, in fact, coming to an end? Um, before I answer the question, one small correction. Three months ago, we were still first in the league and <laughs> we had two f- two fit wingbacks and it didn't look like we, we could be stopped. So massive credit to Thomas Tuchel um, before the season started. I was like, if we finish 10 points behind the leaders, I would consider that a massive success. Um, we, we finished last season 19 behind. But looking forward to the next season, there's too many questions that, that still need answers. Primarily, um, who the owner is, how much they're willing to spend. They're not going mm-hmm. to be like Roman. We all know that Roman was one of a kind. I will not get into the political side of things. I will not discuss... <laughs> the source of his wealth or anything, because that's beyond football. I will say that it is hard to find an owner who isn't necessarily a state-run company, 
but is still willing to pump in one and a half billion pounds into a football club. And then when it's time to sell, basically comes and says, I don't need the 1.5 mil to be uh, 1.5 billion to be paid back. How do I get in on some of that deal? How do I get in some of that action? That's a, that's a sweet action. I know. If I figure it out, I will share it with this podcast crew. Wait, uh, Ali, did you say how do I how do I put into some of that deal? Well, how do I get how do I get some of that? Like how whatever Chelsea got, how do I get like zero point zero one percent of it? Like I, I only need that much. <laughs> Not asking for much. I quit, I quit yeah. my full time job for that. Maybe. Yeah. No, but come, looking forward to the summer. Uh, who the next owner is? They have some really important things to sort out. They need to keep Emma Hayes in charge of the women's team because she's absolutely built a monster of a women's football team that mm. dominates the league and is a Champions League finalist. They yeah. need to keep on investing in our youth system. The youth system has basically won six of the last seven FA Youth Cups, if I remember correctly. And on the men's front, whatever they do, do not care about the amount they spend, but they need to keep Thomas Tuchel and Antonio Rudiger at the club. <laughs> um, there is a possibility that we trigger the one-year extension in Cesar Aspilicueta's contract, so we can keep him for another year. Andreas Christensen, for all his talents, I expect him to leave and join Barcelona on a free, so that's a given. But the one player I do not want to miss out on is Antonio Rudiger. He is such a good f- left center back. He is fast. He is aggressive. He knows how to play the high line. He is intelligent. He can score goals. He is a leader on and off the pitch. He is absolutely invaluable to Chelsea. So I would hate it if he's to go. Yeah, I mean, he's just described the. He's just described exactly what we need. Exactly what United needs. Exactly what we need. Yeah. Um, It's also the thing like, it's the thing United can't get. The forbidden fruit. Yeah, so we'll see about that. Let's 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 leave if we can or look, cannot. Look, let's be honest. You guys aren't even going to be in the Champions League at the oh. current rate. He's a oh. Champions League winner. I, I, so, I'm impressed it took. I'm impressed it took Shivank a full 24 minutes before he cracked out the. <laughs> you guys aren't going to be in the Champions League. Arsenal look really good and look like they they you know gunning for that. Um, they're gunning for that fourth spot, but. You know, this Arsenal team has not got the, yeah, pun intended, intended for sure. <laughs> but you also know this Arsenal is very, very capable of tripping over their own feet. So you always know there's a chance that we could, we could squeeze in. But you might have to start like living up to the XG. Just, just, mm. just <laughs> start scoring goals. <laughs> well, the thing is, you can't, United need to actually win games. And then have to hope that Arsenal do badly. At the moment, Arsenal could play badly and still end up fourth. But that's a different. It's that first part. It's it's uh, it's expecting yeah. United to win the remaining yeah. nine games. That I've got serious reservations. Shivank, um, you were you were very clear in your um, in your assessment in terms of um, keeping Tommy T and re-signing um, Antonio Rudiger. Any insights on who is winning that that? What is my, my understanding is at this point it's it's really an auction. It, it, it's not like you guys have a shortage of buyers. That there is a um, there is a cast of about twelve when I last heard. Any insights on on who you think is going to win that win that auction? Yeah, basically there were there were approximately twenty bidders that actually submitted bids. Um, 
the way the process is working is Roman Abramovich hired the Rain Group, which is a private investment bank, to manage the sale of the club on his behalf. And then once the Rain Group approves of a buyer, then um, the British government has the final veto on it, whether they want to make that transaction or not. And from the 20 perspective buyers, there's now down to a list of four. Unfortunately, and you know, I say the word unfortunately, but things <laughs> could have been a lot worse. The remaining four buyers are American. So one of them is the Ricketts family, which owns the <laughs> Chicago Cubs in the US. Not the biggest fan. The other one, which I didn't necessarily know of until a while ago, was the owners of Atlanta Football Club in Italy and the Boston Celtics in the US are also a bidder. Um, they're the second team okay. in the mix. So the next set of bidders is Todd Bowley and his Swiss partner, Wes, who seem to be the front-running candidates. And the fourth one is David Blitzer and Josh Harris. And for those of you who might know, they are currently the owners of Crystal Palace as well. So it looks like they might have to give up their share in Crystal Palace if they indeed want to buy Chelsea. So -hmm. these are the four um, bidders. Uh, The Chelsea pitch owners and the Chelsea supporters trust have come out and said they do not want the Ricketts family anywhere near the club because of historical comments they've made about other religions and stuff. And that's a fair stand to have. Okay. And at the moment, it looks like Todd Bowley and Wes, and I apologize to every listener if I've got the surname wrong, um, look like the favorites for the candidates. Now, the winning bid isn't necessarily going to be the most lucrative bid. It's going to mm. be a complete package. So um, it seems like there is an interest in getting a lot of things right, like rebuilding the club, giving the fans the equivalent of a golden ticket, which Brentford is the only club in England to have one, and the history of how um, how successful they've been in running football clubs or sports entities in general. So what it sounds like is Roman is prepared not to get a Glazer-like family to own the football club. But that's interesting, Shivam. Wow. So Rain Group go through all of this effort. They pick the winner. And then the British government come and say, sorry, no, can't do. Then what happens? Does it just mean that Chelsea just gets stuck? Or then they um, go, all right, what about bidder number two? It will fall back to bidder number two. Okay. So essentially, uh, the British government's interest is not to allow the sale of the asset to another entity that could face sanctions or could come under scrutiny. It's a pretty hypocritical stance, if you ask me, because... (laughs) Yeah, there's some other owners that... um, Really should be sanctioned, yeah. which haven't. Yeah. yeah, which haven't without taking names. But, you know, it is what it is. This is the world we live in. And yeah, that's a process that's been put in place. Can the Glaciers get sanctioned? Can we just sanction <laughs> the Glaciers? Like, can we sign a petition to sanction the Glaciers? <laughs> I, I mean, on, on that, on that, we, we are coming up to the, uh, the one-year anniversary of the Super League fiasco. And the Glaciers still have done naught. <laughs> so, uh, Shivank, this is how bad it's going to get. Uh, you can, you they, can talk they brought up back American Ronaldo. Uh, I am not talking up any of the American owners. <laughs> I have resigned to the fact that life will never be the same after the fall of the Roman Empire. And all I'll say is thank you for those 19 years of success, Roman. <laughs> it might not quite be over, right? Yeah, uh, I was just going to 
was just going to say, unlike us, where we've got nothing to look forward to except uh, a few youth players making debuts, hopefully, you you guys are actually well and truly in the in the Champions League quarterfinals. And and when I look at the lineup of games coming up, I I would say the the Real Madrid Chelsea game is actually tantalizing. It is yeah. going to be a brilliant game, and I hope it turns out to be just like the semi final last year. Where we beat them both home in the way. <laughs> I mean, we watched the Real Madrid PSG game, and honestly, PSG made some basic errors that like really brought Real back into the game. Uh, pretty much for all their goals, I find it hard to imagine Chelsea giving Real those kind of openings. Okay. But they had they, st- but Real still have Luka Modric, and Luka Modric is top draw. Like he is just he's still top draw. Like amazing how, how well he played. We have Engolo. <laughs> Uh, By the time the match is over and Angolo empties his pocket, he'll ha- um, he'll have to find a home for Luca and Tony Cruz. <laughs> I, I completely agree. I, I I think if you look at that double pivot that Real have with with Cruz and uh, and Modric, and and you want to pick a player to nullify that, Chelsea have the guy, right? Yep, he's he's literally the best in the world in that. If we want to talk about fixing the problems at United. Go sign Tommy T. <laughs> go sign Antonio Rudiger. Go sign Ngolo Conte. Right, that fixes like all three of the problems. You might as well uh, say, definitely. "Oh, slow wing backs uh, by Reese James and Ben Chilwell." Oh, perfect, perfect. In which case, you might just start supporting Chelsea. Yeah. So we're taking half the Chelsea team, just moving them to Manchester. Yeah. Is yeah. Manchester United just going to buy the Chelsea Football Club? Can we do that? Is that? If, can we be if one that of the means we're under Glazer ownerships, then no, you can keep the Glazers <laughs> to yourselves. But you know, that's the best part. Because I know Glazers are your owners, I can just sit comfortably over here and go, oh yeah, <laughs> they can't buy anyone. Wait till you guys get American owners. Then we'll talk. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll live out these last few days of the Roman reign in happiness. But the other fixtures as well in the Champions League, they're like, they're top draw, right? Like these are all really, like you have to watch these games. Like these are going to be some mm. pretty good football. Yeah. Actually, I miss working with you, Gurpreet, when it comes to these uh, Champions League games because at the office, you and I would basically just watch these games together. I, I used to love us uh, pair programming together. Pair programming. It's a, it's a, uh, guys, it's a, it's a focus session. Uh, do not disturb. Uh, we'd have uh, we'd have the Champions League quarterfinals going, and uh, yeah, some some very deep technical analysis. But but actually, talking about deep technical analysis. Um, City versus Atletico. I, I am Ooh. really, really looking forward to this game because you talk about a contrast in styles, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> this this right here is going to be, and it's that old saying, right? Um, styles make fights, and I, I think we've got the the ultimate in pretty triangles, tiki taka, inverted fullbacks, and and the king of shit housing it. This is going to be <laughs> a beaut of a, a, a beaut of a contest. It's it's going to be like a boxing contest. It literally oh, will. Yeah. It literally will. Look, uh, the dark arts that um, Atletico do so well is going to be so on show. And mm-hmm. you can just imagine he's got like a whole bunch of cards up his sleeve for Pep. He's probably been waiting and salvating to come up against Pep again. To Simeone's just been just been like, I have some I have some tricks for you, Pep. Um, you can just imagine it happening. Uh, it's going to be a crazy, crazy match. You you just know it's going to be full of twists and turns. And you know, Pep's already thinking about Simeone 
And <laughs> what I really want to see is how much he overthinks this this quarterfinal. Oof. We won't play a number six. We'll play six fullbacks. <laughs> Shivank, I think you've nailed it. I think this is it, right? It's the fact that probably every other manager in Europe, perhaps Klopp excluded, would fear coming up against Pep. Simeone probably loves it, right? He's probably, yeah. like Ali said, he's relishing this challenge. He's relishing the new shithousery trick that he's got <laughs> up his sleeve. And Pep, you know, you know a part of Pep just wants to completely outsmart him. And he's probably going to end up playing without a goalkeeper, right? He'll play, a, he'll, play, he'll play three inverted fullbacks and not a goalkeeper and end up losing it in the last minute, right? Um, I, I can't, I can't, I, I think... The, the way, uh, for our listeners, the way the draw has panned out is you've got you've got Chelsea and Real Madrid in one quarterfinal. Um, the winner of that will play City or Atletico. And then on the other side, you've got Liverpool and Benfica. Um, they will play the quarterfinal against each other. And they will play the winner of Bayern versus Villarreal. So it's, I mean, the draw is just, it's absolutely tantalizing. Yeah. We could get the, we could get the final, last year's final and the semifinal this year. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent, and uh, I, I think this is probably the bit we can all agree on: the winner of last year's final and the semi-final playing Bayern Munich, because Ooh. I cannot bear the thought. I cannot bear the thought of Liverpool winning another Champions League. Jesus, tell me it's not going to happen, lads. Tell me it's not going to happen. You know, Klopp is already planning a song about number seven. No. <laughs> Interesting thing, because I was just about to ask the United fans on this podcast how they feel about the three other English teams making it to the semifinals and possibly the finals. Lads. Uh, This is is really the bit that hurts, um, (laughs) Shravank. It's not just that we are doing so horribly. It's the fact that (laughs) Liverpool and... City domestically are involved in such a tight title race, the likes of which United fans have over the years just become so used to. And in, yeah. in the in the Champions League, we're, we're talking about this tantalizing draw, picking this, pitting this contest of styles and these major cities against each other. And United just are, it, we're, we're not in the mix. And it doesn't even feel mm. like it doesn't even feel like the tournament's missing anything. United do not deserve to be in the mix. We've spoken about the five big names, but if you look at the three other teams, um, I, I think it would be would be doing them a disservice. Absolutely. Atletico, Benfica, and Villarreal, um, they don't have the roster to match the other five, but if you look at them um, on the field, well-drilled, absolutely know what they're doing. There is a game plan. United, quite frankly, um, we, we don't have the roster. And we don't have the work ethic, and we don't have the plan, and that's that's what we yeah. got to sort out. It it really it really does hurt. It really does. Basically, from this year's Champions League, um, with the the three English teams progressing into the say the semis or um, even getting an all English final, just nothing good can come out of this for United. <laughs> Literally, uh, um, we, have, we have just we have we have nothing positive to gain out of any of those other teams winning. So let's just hope like Benfica pull one out and we can all celebrate um, one of the hipster teams winning out of nothing and, you know, celebrating like a, like a rags to riches story. Yeah. I was just about to say you might be f- supporting another team in red in the Champions League this year, then either Benfica or Julian Nagelsmann's Bayern Munich. 
uh, I, I think if if you wanted a prediction from me, I I think it's Bayern's year. I I really think they are gonna they they are gonna get over the top of uh, Villarreal. Uh, they'll they'll roll Liverpool. They'll, they'll they'll smash Liverpool in that semi final. They'll make Klopp <laughs> cry, yeah. and then in, in in the final they'll beat Pep Guardiola City five one. I I'm I'm really scared to say this out loud. Uh, let me take a deep breath. I think this might be the year City break their dark, and that's scary. Um, and that's so scary. Ali, this is your second warning for this podcast. <laughs> um, you've already mentioned the World Cup final we don't talk about, and you've mentioned City breaking the duck. He, he's got to go on report. I, I'm sure he's yeah. got to go on report for this. Yeah. Yep. I mean, oh, he, he brings up the Glazers and the Super League, and now he's talking about Pip oh. winning the Champions League. That's right. I mean, the, the, this is. He's, <laughs> I, I I suggest for the next show we we edit Pavish back in and we uh, we edit Ali out. Yeah, the, the two week break that the podcast took has seriously taken a toll on Ali. <laughs> yeah. It's not helped. It's not helped. No, especially with all the United. <laughs> but on that note, let's wrap up today's episode. Um, just one last interesting question for both you guys. What sporting event are you looking forward to in the next seven days? Ali, let's start with you. Please do not make the strike number four. <laughs> um, look, the uh, the Women's World Cup getting into the semis and finals, it's been it's been a cracker tournament so far. So that's going to be a hell of a watch. That, that one's definitely going to be a must-watch this week. The NRL is really, really heating up. There's, mm. you know, some big upsets going around. The Warriors played absolutely terrible, but somehow still won. <laughs> <They're> f- <laughs> it was one of those. It's like, who wants to lose this game more? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but th- I think that that's that's where the that's currently where the action is, and um, just really hoping that we can welcome back uh, club football and welcome back a win for United. Um, so that's kind of where I am at. That's where I'm. What I'm kind of looking forward to. Women's World Cup will be front and center, though. There's been some crazy, um, some crazy action, and they've just all been very, very good games. Hmm. Absolutely agree, Gurpreet, What about you? Uh, ditto. Uh, the the Women's World Cup, without a doubt. I'll I'll be all over the knockout games. It, it's uh, I, I think it's it's been a cracking tournament. And if the if the group stages are anything to go by, boy, mm. are we in for a treat! Are we in Oof. for a treat over the next week? Without doubt, the cricket will the women's cricket World Cup. Yeah, um, hard to look past the women's World Cup uh, for the next seven days. It's the business end of the tournament, and there's been some fantastic cricket on display. Uh, I have to agree with you guys. No fourth strike for you, Ali. Good answers. <laughs> He's Don't still skating on thin ice, though. <laughs> oh, very thin ice. Very thin ice. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Thank you very much to all our panelists for your comments and opinions, and thank you to everyone out there for listening. Um, also, as of yesterday, we are available on Amazon Music and Audible for our listeners who use those platforms. Woo! If you want to get sports nerdy with the team, you can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Our handle will be in the show notes. 
We'll be back next week with more sports analysis and banter right here on The Back Pass. Thank you.